I trust that you're able to say that this morning, that there's nothing between your soul and the Savior. I can't say it's an every morning uh, request, but uh, frequently I ask the Lord to remind me if there's anything standing between my soul and Him. Is there anything? Keep that way clear. I want you to take your Bibles this morning, if you have one, and turn to the book of Proverbs, chapter 29. Today's Vision Sunday, and I have been so looking forward to today. <laughs> Proverbs 29, incredibly familiar passage. Verse 18. Let's read it together. Proverbs 29, 18. Read it. Where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. I'm going to share this morning a vision for the family. Let's bow for prayer. Thank you, dear Lord Jesus, that you are a God that is interested in the affairs of our life. You're not, like tragically so many believe, a creating God who created these worlds and systems and then forsake us, just left us on our own. Lord, you are interested in every aspect of our lives. You know the numbers of the hairs of our heads. You know everything about us. And you also long for us to bring all of our requests to you, all of our cares. And so, Lord, I pray that this morning that you might do that work in us, this morning that you want, us, that you want done. And, Lord, this, this concept of a vision, I pray that you might reveal it to us clearly. And for it, we'll give you the praise, for we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Where there is no vision, the people perish. Now let me just share with you, as I did some extensive work in this verse, what this does not mean. It is not referring to a power of positive thinking. There's a lot of... Uh, a lot of lot of statements out there that are incredibly encouraging and there's nothing wrong with the statement per se. Here's a secular understanding of vision. One I read, if you can envision it, you can accomplish it. Winston Churchill wrote, the empires of the future are empires of the mind. James Allen wrote, dream lofty dreams, and as you dream, so shall you become. Your vision is the promise of what you shall one day be. Your ideal is the prophecy of what you shall at last unveil. Jonathan Swift wrote, vision is the art of seeing the invisible. Abraham Lincoln, determined that the thing can and shall be done, and then we shall find the way. Henry David Thoreau, I would give all the wealth of the world and all the deeds of the heroes for one true vision. 
Many of these inspire us, challenge us, motivate us. But that's not what our verse is teaching. It does not teach the power of positive thinking, nor does it support this, this, this idea going around that you can name it and claim it. If you can visualize it, you can have it. I proved that wrong when I was a youngster in elementary school. I knew, I knew that God was going to give me a new car. I was in second grade. I so longed for that car. I could see that car. And I would pre heard preaching about God answering prayers. So I prayed. I saw it. The problem with uh, name it and claim it is it's typically fleshly motivated. I am to submit my will completely to his will and my desires to his. Here's, here's the, the essence of the problem. We who are in the human race, mankind in general, have a way. It's our way. It's our conclusions. It's how, how we take and we mentally assess something. A plus B equals, well, C. But understand, it's my C. And today we're understanding that my C may be completely different from your C. I'm so old school, I still believe that 2 plus 2 equals 4. Go figure. But we're being taught today that just because you believe something does not make it right. Everybody has the right for their own opinion and their own conclusion. More than ever, there are no absolutes, we're being told. Well, the Bible says, in Proverbs 14, 12, there is a way which seemeth right unto a man. Makes total sense. The conclusions all go from A to B equals C, but the rest of the verse says, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Mighty dangerous thing for me to make conclusions apart from the knowledge of God's Word. That it looked good to me. That it made sense to me. You see, another aspect of this is, like it or not, man's heart cannot be trusted. What has made Hallmark famous? Follow your... I got more Hallmark people than that. Follow your heart. If you simply follow your heart, everything's going to turn out all right. Everything's going to be good. As long as you follow your heart. God does not agree with that. Do you understand that? In Jeremiah 17, 9, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? What horrible advice to say follow your heart. Follow that deceptive, wicked heart. What are you talking about? So, this vision that we're talking about in our text is not positive thinking. It's not name it and claim it. Now, 
I am a big proponent in vision casting. And an element of what this morning is is going to be some vision casting. It's setting a direction for your people. One wrote, vision casting is the art of persuasively creating a mental image of a future that should be, but is not in the hearts and minds of those you want to influence. And I'll add yet. We need vision casting. What's a coach do to his team? We can do it. We can win this thing. We can do it. What's he doing? He's creating a vision for them. Oh, coach, why do you make us work so hard? Because of the end, the end in sight. I'm creating a vision for you to see the end goal. What Paul said. He was running for the mastery. Finishing my course. So let's break down this verse. If it's not teaching all, all this, what is it teaching? Where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he, which is, is a little indication of what the first part means, because I could never justify the, the two. They seem so discoherent. And that he that keepeth the law, happy is he. Um, a vision and, and keeping the law. It didn't make any sense to me until I understood the definition of the word vision. I looked it up. I didn't know. I looked it up. The word vision here in the original means instruction in God's truth. Instruction in God's truth, which then came by the prophets through visions. So when the Holy Spirit came upon an individual, a prophet in the Old Testament, it wasn't just to say, wow, I had an experience. Woo! No, it was to reveal the will of God. Understanding what God's mind is in a matter. Vision. Instruction in God's truth. In 1 Samuel chapter 3 and verse 1, And the child Samuel ministered unto the Lord before Eli, and the word of the Lord was precious in those days. There was no open vision. Notice the tie between the word of the Lord and open vision. What was an open vision? An open vision was a declaration, thus saith the Lord. There's the vision. The word vision in our text means instruction in God's truth. Now the word perish is also enlightening to me. Its uh, literal definition means to loosen. To loosen. <laughs> Around the holidays, I had to loosen my belt. Hi, too many cookies. My wife makes these trifles. I'm telling you, they're to die for. And if I keep eating them, I will. They are so awesome. But man, it's so easy to put the weight on. Um, that's what the word means, to loosen. It means to set it not or to refuse to uncover or to make naked. Those are the ways the thing has been translated. The literal meaning in our verse here is to loosen all moral restraints. Where there is no vision, the people perish. There is a loosening of moral restraints. First of all, uncover, to expose and make vulnerable. 
In Leviticus 21.10, here's how the word's used. And he that is the high priest among his brethren, upon whose head the anointing oil was poured, and that is consecrated to put on the garment, shall not uncover, there's the word, his head, nor rend his clothes. Same word as vision in our text, uncover. It's used uh, to refuse in Proverbs 8.33. Hear instruction to be wise and refuse it not. Same word. Proverbs 13.18, poverty and shame shall be to him that refuseth, same word, instruction. He that regardeth reproof shall be honored. So as perishing means to uncover, it means to refuse, it means to make naked. Exodus 32.25, and when Moses saw that the people were naked, for Aaron had made them naked unto their shame among their enemies. It is a loosening of moral restraints. So let me take our text verse and with these definitions in mind, give you a paraphrase. I wrote, where there is no instruction in God's truth, which then came by the prophets through visions, the people die spiritually as their moral restraints are loosened. Now don't ask, ask or answer this out loud, but if you were to make a determination of where our country is in a moral scale right now, would you say that our country is more, more morally um, like God today than it was? Of course not. It's obvious. It's obvious. There has been a loosening of moral restraints. Why? Well, here it says if there's no instruction in God's truth, it's crazy. It's crazy what age can do to you. <laughs> when I was in elementary school, our teachers in the public school would sometimes use Bible stories to illustrate a lesson. Bible stories. In my early years, we actually prayed to begin the day. Instruction in God's truth. Um, what is the primer? Some, some primer years, years ago that, uh, that, that taught a person how to read and then goes on beyond that. And it was all based on Scripture. What is it? Guffy. The Guffy, Guffy Reader, is that what it's called? Guffy Prime Primer, something like that? Okay. I should look up before. <laughs> so the vision here is knowledge of the Word of God. The absence of the knowledge of God, or vision in this use, causes death. A moral restraint, and understand the spiritual aspect here. Moral decay is spiritual death. You understand where he's going here. First of all, where there is no knowledge of God, the people perish. Hosea 4.1, Hear the word of the Lord, ye children of Israel, for the Lord hath a controversy with the inhabitants of the land. Because there is no truth, nor mercy, nor knowledge of God in the land. Verse 6, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Well, what's the topic? Knowledge of God. My people are destroyed for no knowledge of God. Because thou hast rejected knowledge, I will also reject thee, seeing thou shalt be no priest to me, seeing thou hast forgotten 
the law of thy God. I will also forget thy children. Seems to me like God's, one of God's ultimate judgments in the scriptures is the removal of God's word. Let me illustrate. Amos chapter 8, verse 11. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord God. I will send a famine in the land, not a famine of bread, nor of thirst of water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. And they shall wander from sea to sea, and from the north even to the east. They shall run to and fro to seek the word of the Lord, and shall not find it. Who caused the famine? God did. Because they had rejected God's word repeatedly. God said, you don't want it? Fine. I'll make it impossible for you to find. Following the Assyrian and Babylonian exiles, God no longer sent prophets to his people. It was 400 years later that God sent John the Baptist and then Jesus, both of whom the religious leaders rejected prophets. We see in Ezekiel chapter 7 a cry for God's word that was too late. Oh, give us God's word, but it was too late. Ezekiel 7.25, destruction cometh and they that and they shall seek peace and there shall be none. Mischief shall come upon mischief and rumor shall be upon rumor. Then shall they seek a vision of the prophets. But the law shall perish from the priest and counsel from the ancients. As Jerusalem neared its final days before its incredible destruction, the people cried out for help from prophets and priests, but there was no help. In Amos chapter 7, verse 11 and 12, For Amos saith, Jeroboam shall die by the sword, and Israel shall surely be led away captive out of their own land. So Amaziah said unto Amos, O thou seer, prophet, go, flee thee away into the land of Judah, and there eat bread, and prophesy there. In other words, he said to the prophet, get away from us. Go out in the wilderness and hide yourself. We don't want to hear what you have to say. They pushed away God's word. They pushed away the vision, the instruction of God's word. We see that the presence of the knowledge of God, or vision here, brings victorious life. If the absence brings a moral decay, the presence brings moral integrity. God's word in my heart prevents sin, says David in Psalm 119.11. Thy word have I hid in mine heart, that I might not sin against thee. Whew. Whew. Need help? <laughs> Need help fighting those temptations? Winning the battle over that, or that, 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 that grievous, addictive sin? Get God's word in your heart. God's word in my heart secures my steps, we see in Psalm 37, 31. The law of his God is in his heart. None of his steps shall slide. God's word in his heart, keeping his steps from sliding. Sure words, sure steps, going the right direction. God's word in my heart gives me discretion and understanding. Proverbs 2, 10 and 11, when wisdom, which is the application of God's word, entereth into thy heart, and knowledge is pleasant unto thy soul, discretion shall preserve thee. 
Understanding shall keep thee. God's word in my heart perfects holiness. 2 Corinthians 7.1 Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. We see next an access to the power of Christ. The presence of the knowledge of God brings a moral integrity. It also provides an access to the power of Christ in Colossians 1, 10 and 11 that ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work. And here it is, increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might, according to his glorious power, unto all patience and longsuffering with joyfulness. I want to be strengthened in my inner mind, in my inner soul, in my inner spirit, strengthened. How? Well, the knowledge of God. It gives us power for all things through Christ. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. The word strengtheneth here means to empower, to enable, to make strong. Christ enabled me to do His will. Here's a cool thing. When God tells you to do something, He enables you to do it. So I could never do that. That's way above me. I don't have the strength for that. I don't have the knowledge for that. I don't have the guts for that. God says, how about trusting me because I'm the one that's going to empower you to do what I tell you to do. Christ, strengthen me through faith. In Romans 4.20, He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. Christ is the source of my strength and power. Ephesians 6.10, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. There's strength in Christ. There's, we get strength from Christ in Hebrews 11.34. Quenched the violence of fire. Escaped the edge of the sword. Out of weakness were made strong. Waxed violent in flight. Turned to flight the armies of the aliens. And we see strength for Christ in 2 Timothy 4.17. Notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me, that by me the preaching might be fully known, and that all the Gentiles might hear. And I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion, Paul wrote. Strengthened for Christ. However, there's no power apart from Christ. <laughs> You couldn't do your dead-level best to, to build up a head of steam. I'm getting power. I'm getting power. I'm getting power. You love watching Bible college guys all worked up. I'm going to get real power in Christ. Go out and do something. Then they get kicked out of school for something they shouldn't be doing. We are incompetent apart from Christ. Oh, but you don't know me, you say. I'm really talented. Boop we do. 2 Corinthians 3, 5, and 6, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God. 
who also hath made us able ministers of the New Testament, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter killeth, but the Spirit giveth life. Sufficiency is of God. It means to be enough, to be good enough, to be sufficient. That's sufficiency. What I have, any success I have, is Him through me. We're also incapable apart from Christ. John 15, 5, I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. Last time the snow to shoveling my walk, got to the edge of my walk where my walk meets the beginning of the neighbor's walk. And my fence has the corner right there. I've got a tree, a big old tree that's dying, and it's dropping branches. Well, it dropped a big old branch in my neighbor's yard. So I got it, I drug it around, <laughs> drug it around to my side. What happened to that branch? Well, once it came off of the tree, there was no life support, and it died. It died. You take the, the branch, and you, you take it away from the source of life, it's going to die. You take us away from our source of life, Jesus Christ. You don't abide in Him. You don't have your, your roots deep in Him. You'll wither and die. John 15, 7, If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Whew, what a powerful verse. To whom does that apply? Anyone who has their roots deeply in Jesus, abiding in Him. I want to share with you two godly visions. First one is for Joshua's family. In Joshua 1.1, of course, this is the very beginning of the book, God asked something incredible of Joshua. Joshua, I want you to be the new Moses. <laughs> what? God, do you know what you're asking? Now, Joshua never said that. I would have. Moses was so powerful, such a great man, a stalwart God, you know that. You're asking me now to step into his shoes? But Joshua understood something. Joshua understood that what, Mo what power Moses had came from God. And now God was coming to Joshua and was going to empower him just like he did Moses. Joshua 1.1, 1, 1, Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass, the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses. Verse 7, Only be thou strong, and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law, which Moses my servant commanded thee, turn not from it from the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. This book of the law ah, goes back to the instruction of God's word. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, 
that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. God told Joshua his success depended upon the knowledge of God found in his word. Vision number one. Vision number two. This is Paul's vision for his family at Rome. That's interesting because when Paul wrote the epistle to the Roman church, I believe that Paul had never even been there before. There were, there were missionaries that had gone there and established a church there, a bulkhead, if you will, and a strong church developed in Rome. And Paul longed to be there in Rome to share with them and to encourage them. In Romans 1.9, Paul writes, For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son. Without ceasing, I make mention of you always in my prayers, making request, if by any means now at length I might have a prosperous journey by the will of God to come unto you. For I long to see you, that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift, there's more knowledge of God. To the end ye may be established. Upon what? The knowledge of God. That is, that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. So Paul longed to visit them at Rome. So he could share more of God's word with them and further establish them in their faith. Are you getting the idea of what our text verse is encouraging us to do? It sounds to me like it's wanting us to learn more about God. And it tells us how to do it. In His Word. We, you and I, are to get in His Word. His Word is to become much of our life. It's to go deep into our spirit, hiding it in our hearts, allowing it to direct us to work in our hearts, to, to, to chasten out all sin, the knowledge of God. What is your relationship like with God's Word? Well, Pastor Rattler, you see my Bible, I carry it every Sunday. Do they still have daily bread? Is that still, is it? Oh. That's really... Forty years ago is my knowledge of daily bread. And it was really good. I, I'm assuming it's still good. I don't know. But if that is the if that is the only search for God's knowledge that you're getting on a daily basis, I tend to think you are spiritually weak. Now, now think about your physical diet your physical diet. If you, if you limited your diet to getting up in the morning and eating one egg, however you want to fix it, one egg, and that's all you had. Next morning you get up and one egg. Next morning you get up and one egg. Now my guess is you would not have a weight problem. Don't you imagine? My guess is you probably would not be able to subsist, at least with any quality of life, with that. 
Paul longed to visit them so he could share God's word with them in Rome and further establish them in their faith. Our text verse, Proverbs 29, 18, paraphrased, where there is no instruction in God's truth, which then came by prophets through visions, the people die spiritually as their moral restraints are loosened. I get sickened to my stomach. The times, the frequent times I hear of men in the ministry being found out for immorality. It's pervasive. Statistics say that the majority of men today, a vast majority, struggle with immorality in one shape or another, typically pornography, today. And here was the statistic that got me. It did not vary much between the world and the church. Now my understanding of this teaching I'm giving you this morning is this. Instruction in God's Word. And allowing that instruction, God's Word, to influence me mentally, physically, spiritually, emotionally. I can see victory, a strengthening, but the absence thereof, or a limitation thereof, brings a loosening of my moral restraints. I can no longer see. Here's the deal. I can no longer see the difference between true holiness and where I am. I look in the mirror and say, well, you're all right. You're not as bad as so-and-so. You're, you're okay. You're righteous. You're not killing anybody. You're not robbing any banks. It's not hurting anybody. Nobody knows. I long for the day where we're exposed to the true holiness of Christ. And there will, there will not be one of us that is not humbled to our knees. To further this instruction of God's word, this vision, I offer what God is leading me for 2023. Here's what I call my vision for hope in 2023. We have a brand new poster up here. Hopefully you've seen it. Our theme for this year is reaching or going together and reaching out. Growing together and reaching out. This has been a series on loving one another. That the God's, God's people, the body of Christ, need to love one another. Ultimately, for the purpose of energizing us to win the world. So, so I believe the biblical teaching is we are supposed to grow together, have a bond here, a strengthening together, so that we can be energized to go out there. In 1 Thessalonians 3.12, And the Lord make you to increase and abound in love one toward another and toward all men, even as we do toward you. 
The first vision I want to talk about is Bible reading. Bible reading, and I'm going to encourage you once again, and many of you have been faithful to do this, I'm going to encourage you once again to read the Bible through in a year. And somebody came to me one time, Pastor, why are you limiting us? What do you mean, why am I limiting you? Just one time? Read it as many times as you want, that's okay, but I'm encouraging you to read it through at least one time in a year. And for me, that is so exciting when our people come and say, Pastor Eller, it's June, and I'm right on target. That's great. Let's finish up. Joshua 1.8, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make the way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. On this uh, cable back here, it's a little white paste paper, writing on both sides. It is a Bible reading schedule. And if you do not have one, I'd encourage you to take this. Because it, it helps you just to know where you are and to kind of be a motivator. And here we are a few days into the new year, and so it's going to take you a little bit of extra reading to catch up. But please, if you're not doing it, I'd encourage you to do that. And they're free. They're right over here on this table. If you, and by God's grace, he enabled me to do that, if you were able this past year, and followed through with my challenge to you, were able to read the Bible this past year all the way through, doesn't matter where you started as long as you finished finishing up the whole Bible. Um, I've got some certificates for you. In fact, Pastor Vanderhart, could you help me please? Would you take these and pass them? I get one. Okay. If you uh, read through the year, just put your hand up. He's going to come along and, and give you one of these. And let me tell you, there is nothing magical about reading the Bible through in a year. There's nothing in the Bible that says you're supposed to read through in a year. But if I, as your pastor, can challenge you and use some, some little gimmick to do it, I'm going to do it because I want you in God's Word. I want the instruction of God's Word in your mind. And so I'm going to challenge you once again. Here we have a brand new year. You know what I'm going to do next year? If the rapture doesn't occur, if I'm still in the pulpit, I'm going to have these forms up here, and uh, you can get one next year. So I'm going to challenge you right now to get on board and start reading the Bible through this year. Okay, let's not miss anybody, so I'm sure all of you who read the Bible through in a year get one of these. The next thing of my vision is uh, reaching our community. In Matthew 28, 19, and 20, thank you, Pastor. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them, teaching them. Our admonition, the last command of Jesus Christ before he ascended to heaven, to the church, to us, the body of Christ, was to go into the world and share the gospel, teaching them the scriptures, the gospel, having them one to Christ, baptizing them, and then teaching or discipling them. Reaching our community, how? Well, bringing guests. I want to challenge you this year, this year, to work on bringing guests. Now, I wish I were really good at this. I wish I, wish I were. I try my best to get my extended family to come, and sometimes they come and visit. You've met many of my extended family. I worked and 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 worked before I got Parker to come. Finally, Parker came. Bless his heart. Yesterday, I was out 
spend an hour with a guy working on some discipleship, trying him to get the, get the church. I know it's hard. I know it's hard. But we are, what I believe, and you're going to listen tonight, we are in the last of the last days. And if ever has there been a time that we ought to be motivated to get people to church, it should be now. And, and I hope you're not embarrassed of our church. We've got a pretty sweet church. There's been a pretty sweet bunch of folks here. And if you're not, sweeten up. <laughs> Next, we're doing meals for our fighter fighters. And this is so cool. Um, this, this fire station down, down this way, just down the way here, fire station number six. Uh, three times, they had three, they had three shifts, so three different times this past year we brought meals to them. And I got to deliver one of them, and I got to talk to the three firemen who were there on that day. And it was so wonderful. Their eyes lit up, and man, they couldn't wait to see what food was brought. And we got to minister them a little bit and tell them that we're praying for them and, and that we're here for them if they ever need help. In however fashion, not putting out fires, mind you, but praying for them, whatever we can do for them. And so I want to continue that. So we're going to be doing that again. In fact, Pastor, you'll be mentioning that, won't you? Okay. Um, meals for firefighters. Next, we're going to do appreciation bags for teachers. There's 20, how many? Schools? 28? 20, 28 schools in Loveland, right? Okay, Loveland area. Um, we're going to start about once a month putting together little care packages for the teachers of a particular school. And then deliver them with a little, a little note, a little track for each of those teachers. And so we're just trying to get our, just trying to touch the community here. Trying to go beyond here and to tell them out there, hey, Jesus loves you. And it really isn't that the essence of what we're supposed to be doing all along? Reaching our community, uh, we're going to be, <laughs> possible, possible. There's a parade that goes down Loveland in the fall, and uh, it is so out of my comfort zone, <laughs> so not me, but uh, praying about the possibility of, of having a Hope Baptist Church parade, um, whether it's a float or whatever, a presence in that parade, and so be praying about that. And then soul winning opportunities. We've got soul winning training again this year in March, all four weeks. And I would encourage you right now to place in your calendar a 9.30 to 10.15 on Saturday mornings in March, the soul winning training. And it's a time, an opportunity for me to share with you how do you share the gospel with somebody. And it's, it's overly simplified. And then we'll watch a few videos along the way. And so it's just an encouraging time. Beginning in April, Saturday mornings, I'm going to encourage anyone who can to go with me as we go out and we try to reach our community by either knocking on doors or flyering. And so I try, try every time the weather is, uh, is uh, not inclement, we try to get out. <laughs> I made Pastor Vanderhart go with me because the temperature said it was going to be 40 degrees. We go out at about 1030 in the morning. Little did I know the 40 degrees was going to happen at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. And there was a horrible windstorm that day. And uh, after about three doors I knocked on, I couldn't feel my fingers anymore. And then I started realizing my jaw is not working. I was trying to talk at the door, and drool was coming down. And I, what kind of representation am I being here? <laughs> and so we, I decided that we're going to wait until it's a little more, uh, a little more sensible to go out. And if it is, that we're going to go out during this time. He and or I, you're welcome to join us. Just let me know ahead of time. But in April. Typically, the weather is no excuse. And so between now and then, I'm going to be um, twisting your arm a little bit, trying to get you to come with us. Um, 
Uh, and then throughout the, the, war the warmer months, we're going to have a church-wide emphasis on flyering. Let me tell you what flyering is. Flyering is taking a flyer like this that has a hole cut out, and you walk up to a door, and you put it on the handle, and you walk to the next house. That, that's flyering. I have spent many days flyering not seeing one individual. Sometimes you'll see somebody out in the garage or something like that, and, and I'll walk up to them and say, hey, listen, this is what I'm doing. But you don't have to do that. You can ignore them. You can be mute, uh, mute and not talk. Just get whatever it takes for you to get out flyering. What are we doing? We are promoting our church, and there's a wonderful gospel on the back there. The next one is... Um, most of you know that I do a daily, six days a week, uh, daily thought, a pastor's daily thought. And uh, we email that to you, and it's totally up to you to, uh, to do it. Well, it came to me that not everybody is my age. We have younger people out there that actually know technology. And, uh, and, and, and they don't get all frustrated like I do with technology. And they know funny names like Twitter and, and, uh, and other things that, that I don't even know. And uh, so, so what we come to find out is that you can put, we could put um, our daily thought in a podcast form, which again means very little to me. And it could, you could, you could get the app on your phone, and then it would daily notify you. And instead of having to go through your email, go through all that like you do now, you go right to that on your app, and boom, right there's the, there's the daily thought. And then you get to listen to it. You don't get to see my beautiful face, but you can listen to it. Uh, on that, and so we're we're making that available. And uh, next week, Pastor Vanderhart's going to give you much more information on how to go about getting that app and do all that. First uh, Peter five two, I'm told to feed the flock of God, which is among you. Why do I do that? Um, it's quite time consuming. Most of you think oh, I just sit down on the microphone and start talking, because that's all it sounds like. I don't think that way. I have to study. And so between the study, the writing it out, delivery, formatting it, I'm looking at at least a, an hour every time, I, every time I do that. And so I invest in that for the purpose of feeding my flock. And so let me encourage you, if you're not accessing Pastor's Daily Thought, um, I'm doing it for you. Uh, the next, number four, God has burdened me to begin monthly activities for our senior adults. And I'm excited about this. The reason we've not done it sooner is because I have not been able to do it. I thought that I would come out here having so many years of experience in the Jolly 60s ministry that I would just take over and pick it up right away, but I have not been able to do it. And, and I keep kicking myself, and you need to do this, you need to do this. And I, I, Honestly, it just has not been, I've not been able to get my mind around it to do it. The, uh, the, uh, I've been consumed in, 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 the, in, in the chair of the senior pastor. So I had a conversation here a while back with Pastor Vanderhart. And uh, I knew from the very beginning that God had given him a love for older people. And uh, when I started Jolly 60s, it was back when I was 28 years old. And um, I had, we had young children, babies at the time. And I remember the influence my youth and my children had on the older folks and the influence they had on me and my children. And so I'm looking at this as a win-win. 
Uh, we're going to provide, uh, we'll give you all the information about it. We're going to start monthly activities, uh, sometimes with potluck here, just different activities, try to work out going out to restaurants together and whatever it is, but we'll keep you identified on that. Number five is, by the way, um, under that is Leviticus 19.32, Thou shalt rise up before the hoary head and honor the face of the old man and fear thy God. You see, what I was convicted of is I, I didn't believe that we as Hope Baptist Church were honoring the hoary head like we need to be. Next is faithful church attendance. Hebrews 10.25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. Notice, and so much the more as ye see the day approaching. Well, again, I'm giving a little sneak preview tonight, but I believe the day's approaching. Well, the day is approaching. We're supposed to be more faithful to church. I'm going to challenge you, unashamedly challenge you. When God lays a message on my heart, I believe it's for you and me, this local church family. And when you're not here, you don't get it. Okay, so you stay home. Now, sometimes you must stay home. I understand that. Health reasons. Get online. Watch. But if you're just staying home to stay home and you happen to catch online, it's not the same. Sorry, it's just not the same. I feel for those that are not able to participate here because it's not the same. There's not that same energy. And so I'm going to challenge you. You say, Pastor Eller, what's God's will for me? Well, don't be a sinner. <laughs> Um, it seems to me like God's will for you is to be in church. Be in church. Um, evaluate your priorities. Where are your priorities? And let's put it this way. What are you prioritizing above God? Well, pastor, I've got to be with my family. Then answer the question. Lastly, here, uh, I don't remember if it was last year or the year before that, I, I shared with you a burden I had to provide transportation for those needing transportation to church. And honestly, it just never came to fruition. Well, that burden has never died in me. I have a burden to provide transportation for folks in the church. I don't know how to do it. I've thought and thought and thought, prayed about it. I don't know how to do it. I'd love to get a van. Um, I can't afford it. Uh, and I've not wanted, you know, we, we're building, we save money for a building if we need it. So what I'm asking you to do is to pray. Just pray. What does God have for us? We had a visitor, a guest with us two weeks ago, and uh, said that we would come to church if we could get a ride. But we're trying to work out finding somebody. But what if, what if we had a van and a committed driver that every Sunday they were prepared to pick up folks that couldn't drive? Wouldn't that be cool? Wouldn't be wonderful? So I want you just to pray about that. And uh, this, is, this is more a, uh, a prayer request for me. And I'm calling it a burden, a vision. And uh, so that's what I have. Um, I have copies of this vision. Looks like this on this table right over here. I'd ask you to take one on the way out as a, as, as a prayer sheet. And just pray over these. Just, just pray that God will 
work in your heart and lead and guide you and that these will be an encouragement to you and ultimately that you, that we as, as members of Hope Baptist Church will fulfill the vision that he has for us. Whew. This morning when I read, early this morning in the, in the Bible lesson, going through the Bible myself, I was encouraged. Now, I, had, I read something that had nothing to do with this morning's message. I was encouraged as I read, read through it in the Old Testament. Like I was encouraged yesterday morning. I did a little more drooling yesterday morning because I had to get up earlier to be here for men's prayer breakfast. Thanks a lot, Sean. But like the morning before that, and the morning before that. And you know what's going to happen tomorrow morning, early in the morning? I'll start the morning on my knees, and I'll read. And I know what you're saying. Well, you're the pastor. Of course you have to do that. That's not why I do it. And that's not why I did it long before I got in the ministry. It's because I was desperate for God's blessing on my life, and I want you to get there too. By the way, be in prayer for Sean, Mike's mother, who's passing away. Um, could, be, could be any moment. I know that you appreciate your prayers. I want us now to bow our heads in prayer as we conclude this time. I'm going to just ask you, with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, I'm going to ask you uh, where you are in your relationship with God's Word. And if God's word is not a daily practice with you, then would you this morning be willing to commit, not to me, but to God? Would you be willing to tell him that by his grace you're going to read the Bible through in a year this year? As you consider this brand new year here at the beginning, would you be willing to consider, even right now, who you could bring to church? Be your guest? How about being faithful to church? If that's not your regular pattern for this past year. Oh, pastor, I'm faithful. I come once a month. Um, but I spent so many hours in preparation for messages you never heard. Is it possible those very issues in which you needed help, you didn't hear because you weren't here? Would you be willing to commit to God that you will be faithful to Him by attending His house? And by the way, if, if you're faithful on Sunday mornings but not Sunday nights, whew, you're not coming on Wednesday nights. These are offerings for God's people to grow. In what way has God spoken to your heart this morning? Would you please do business with him? Of course, if you walk in this morning not knowing for sure that heaven is your home, we've got good news for you. Jesus Christ died on the cross many, many years ago. 
He came for one express purpose, and that was to provide salvation for man by dying on the cross. And his blood shed was an offering for that sin. And to be saved, we must come to Jesus by faith, confessing our sinfulness and trusting him and him alone to both forgive us and save us. Have you ever been saved? Oh, pastor, I had this experience. I had a near-death experience. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about putting your faith and trust in Jesus to forgive your sins and to save you. Is there anyone here this morning and say, Pastor, I honestly don't know for sure that I am saved, but I would appreciate your prayers. Anyone like that? Put their hand up and back down. Anyone? Pastor, I don't know for sure I'm saved, but I want to know. Please pray for me. Gracious Lord, thank you for this sweet time we spent. God, I thank you for your vision. I thank you, Lord, for the reminder of your desire for us to be invested in your word. Lord, you gave us this incredible book, and you gave it to us to be read, studied, meditated, memorized, and then applied. And so, Lord, I pray that you might continue the work you've begun, and we'll thank you for it. Lord, give us an exciting 2023 as we serve you, and may we do it unreservedly submitted to you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.